Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch crushing! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Hey there. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on Tuesday, June 27th. Frank Sample joined by Scotty Dub, Scott White. Today on the show, Reed Detmers and Dylan Cease are both back on track. We're going to fire up the dropometer for a bunch of hitters that have slowed down in the month of June. Team Name Tuesday and much more. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Let's jump in. Wow! Hey now! Hey now! Hey now! Scott, everything feels brand new. We're good to go. The voice is back. You have a oh, new, yeah. You have a new cordy plug thing in your microphone. I know. Let's go. New cord. Who dis? <laughs> you can hear me. That we can. All right, Scotty, you're up. Who do you want to highlight first? All right. Well, let's go straight for the breadstick here with Reed Detmers, mm. who was sensational. He had his best start of the season last time, and then he just one-upped it again with his new best start of the season here against the White Sox. Two hit them over seven innings. Did allow a run, but he struck out 10, and he had 17 swinging strikes on 105 pitches. A few things that these last two starts haven't come, but both were seven innings, and there were his only two starts of that length all season. In both, he allowed just two hits over those seven innings. And in both, his average slider velocity was down about two miles per hour. So I think, I hope, Reed Demers has cracked the code here because... He's been pretty frustrating up to this point. And it's been kind of a whole saga because, of course, he was a trendy sleeper pick coming into the year, first of all, because of the way his slider performed down the stretch last season when it gained a bunch of velocity. Remember, he got sent down in the minors midseason, came back. It was up like, I think, three or four miles per hour on average. So it was up, and it it made him look amazing. And okay, this is the key. Throw that slider harder, baby. But then it went up more in spring training, and that just seemed to get everyone more excited about Reed Detmers and kind of priced him out of my range, frankly, in, in most leagues. Uh, so we we thought, okay, if, if more velocity on the slider is good, then even more is even better, right? But uh, apparently that's not the case. Apparently he needs to find that sweet sl- sl- sweet spot with the slider velocity, and hopefully he's found it now. And, and and for what it's worth, what it has dropped to in these last two starts is pretty much in line with where it was after he returned from the minors last year and, and looked the best he ever has. So a, a lot rides on Reed Detmer's slider velocity, apparently, is what I'm saying. And um, if he can make this stick, if it's not something that he's is just going to be a headache constantly throughout his career trying to zero in on getting this perfect slider which is possible. I mean, some pitchers just struggle to, to find 
even if they know what they need to do, they struggle to hold it for um, indefinitely. Then, uh, you know, ho- hopefully Reed Detmers has figured it out and he can he can just take off from here. That's the hope. Fingers crossed. That is the hope indeed. You highlighted the last two starts, what Detmers has done. But if you go back two more before that, last four starts for Reed Detmers, a 105 ERA, a .78 whip, 34 strikeouts over 25 and two-thirds innings pitched. So seemingly looks like he's back on track. I noticed the same thing with that slider velocity, Scott. Uh, You have him at SP73 in your rankings. I have him at SP70. I know you update on Tuesday. I'm like Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah. I assume he's going to move up a decent bit. I mean, gaining a little bit more confidence, right? Probably inside the top 60-ish starting pitchers. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, obviously within that range of the rankings, there's a lot of room for a lot of room to maneuver. So if I could get them pulled up, I can get, give you a better idea. Let's see here. So getting him in the top 60 would mean moving him past guys like Kodai Senga and Lance Lynn. I think I can make that happen. But look, even you get close to 50 and right outside the top 50 are like Luis Severino and Charlie Morton, would I, I feel like I'd take Reed Detmers over them right now. So, yeah, I mean, this might be as much as a 25-spot jump in the rankings mm. based on what we've seen from Detmers these past two starts, at least for me. Yeah, no, I, I think that's fair. The range that I was kind of settling on is 52-53-54 for starting pitcher is Tyler Wells, Bailey Ober, Taj Bradley. And I think being part of that group, maybe the bottom of that group right around SP 55, I think that makes sense for uh, Reed Detmers. So probably going to get him up to that range as well. I actually want to highlight the pitcher on the other side of this start. Dylan Cease has allowed two earned runs or fewer in five straight starts. He was at the Angels. He gave up one run over six innings pitched, 10 strikeouts to zero walks. This is only the second time this season that Dylan Cease has had a start with zero walks. The other one, Opening day. It's been quite some time since he's done that. Uh, 17 swinging strikes in this start for Dylan Cease. He has 14 or more swinging strikes in each of these past five starts. Really, you know, once this slider has taken off once again, uh, has kind of coincided with the swinging strikes and the strikeouts coming back for Dylan Cease. Uh, The ratios still look a little bit high, but obviously the strikeouts have gone way up. Uh, again, the swinging strikes as well. He's got a 19% swinging strike rate during these last five starts. And he also looks like he's just kind of back on track, Scott. I think inside of the top 20 starting pitchers. And what I wanted to highlight specifically with these two guys, I think it's two interesting cases of pitchers riding the ship. With Detmers, the underlying numbers, the FIP, the XFIP, all along, they all said that he was pitching better than the surface level stats. That if he keeps pitching that way, he was going to get better. Good things were coming for Reed Detmers. Dylan Cease was different. He was one of those pitchers where we really didn't have any signs that things were going to get better outside of just seeing the talent in years past, right? Like what we saw last year and basically trusting that that would get back on track. But, you know, it's something that you said about Manoa earlier this year too, where you know, a, a, a light switch could just kind of turn on. We don't know when it's going to happen, but it could happen. And that is what's happened now with Dylan Cease over the last five starts. Yeah, and, and apparently with Reed Detmers too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that that is often the way it goes, and that's what makes evaluating players so tricky. I mean, if 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 anybody could do it that well, then, you know, they'd make so much money in gambling that they wouldn't have to do anything like this. <laughs> right. Uh, presumably. No, it's, it's, it's tricky and you have to weigh everything. You have to weigh uh, what you're hearing about the player against the player's track record against what the data is showing there, there's a tendency. And I, I think it's a reasonable tendency to lean mostly on like the skill indicators within the data to evaluate players. And that is the most objective information we have, but if, if a player is struggling, a lot of times he's struggling in that regard as well. And it doesn't necessarily mean he, he can't bounce back from that. Sometimes it just takes that tweaking something to get him back to being the, the pitcher or hitter that we know him to be. And so a lot of times it just takes faith in the, in the track record and 
You know, it, it just, yeah, I mean, sometimes that's all it takes. And sometimes you're going to be wrong about that. Sometimes you're going to be wrong no matter what approach you take, but you have to weigh it all. Yep. And should have pointed this out with Reed Detmers. He is up to 80% rostered. I assume uh, he was, I think he was around like 70, 75% before this weekend. So obviously some more people adding him for the two starts this week. But if Detmers is somehow out there in a shallower league that you play in, a 10 team league, maybe a shallower 12 team points league or something, make sure to go out and add Reed Detmers the way that he is pitching right now. Scott, I know often we don't talk about records in baseball and what's actually happening and it's kind of interesting because sometimes people will ask me like, oh, what's, you know, what's going on in baseball? And I'm like, actually, I don't know. I, I just know what's going yeah. on in fantasy baseball. Yeah. It's such a weird thing. But the Mets are so, this is such a crazy story this year. It's the highest, highest payroll in baseball history. They are 6-16 six and 16 in the month of June. Now eight games under 500 on the season. Fourth place in the NL East and eight and a half games out of a wild card spot. And it's just... I saw them lose again, another, you know, late game. I gave, they gave up a two-run homer to Joey Weimer. They lost the game. And, uh, yeah, I just started looking into it. I'm like, this is pretty underwhelming. It's, uh, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And it's getting pretty late. It is getting late on the one hand. On the other hand, we're not quite at the halfway point. We're very close. Yeah. We're, we're getting there. By the end of this week, we'll basically be at the halfway point. So there is a lot of season left for them to, you know, how 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 late in the year were they up double double digit games on the Braves, first place in the NL East? It was, I think, it was as late as June at some point in June, if I'm remembering correctly. So like, there's still time for the sh- the the standings to shift fairly dramatically. Neither Scherzer nor Verlander has really. Uh, Shores are starting to come around quite a bit, but they, they haven't looked like themselves for most of the season. And those were two of the Mets most important players. I would say two of the biggest reasons they were given such an edge when uh, making preseason predictions. So, you know, if they find their form, then things could change. Things could still change. It's, it's not too late. It's not too late for the Mets. It's not too late for the Phillies who are five and a half games ahead of them. Of course, Definitely not too late for them. Not too late for the Padres. You know, there's still enough talent there for one of these teams. I doubt they'll all make a run. But, like, yeah, we can't just slot the Marlins in as a wild card (laughs) right now just because they're they're currently in position. Yeah, I mean, also with the Mets, I was looking at their lineup today. It's Lindor and Pete Alonso batting right around 220. That obviously doesn't help. Those are, like, your your three and four hitters uh, on that team. So... Hopefully they get back on track. I've got Alonzo on my most important team. I've got Lindor in a few spots as well. And I know uh, they've been a little bit underwhelming in terms of the batting average, at least. Let's talk about a few other studs that were on the mound on Monday night. Spencer Schrider, two strong starts in a row. He was up against the Twins, and he went seven innings. He allowed one run with 10 strikeouts and 26 swinging strikes on 100 pitches, 11 on the slider, nine on the fastball, Six on the changeup. He did throw his changeup a little bit more in this start. He basically doubled the usage, and it worked very well. Uh, Six swings on the pitch, six whiffs. So every time a hitter swung on his changeup, swung, swang against his changeup, I don't. (laughs) Swung. (laughs) I I never know which one it is, and then people make fun of me. They're like, oh, that's not a word. Um, But swang. (laughs) The changeup worked very well. That is the whole point of what I was trying to say. Uh, for Spencer Strider. And the other name was Luis Castillo. He struggled a little bit recently with control, uh, but he settled into this start. Seven innings, three runs allowed. Two of those earned seven strikeouts with 17 swinging strikes for Luis Castillo. Scott, anything to add with those two guys? Strider, Castillo. I mean, if maybe maybe this changeup is going to be what locks everything into place for Strider and makes him the best pitcher in baseball. It's possible. This was, so 14% usage in this one. I believe that's his highest yet. Two starts ago, he had 13.8% usage, so basically 14. But the point is, he's beginning to mix it in more and more. It has about a 50% whiff rate on the season, which is not far behind its his slider. Now, a lot of that's the element of surprise. Obviously, he hasn't thrown it much in his career, so 
it or see it. And they're like, what the heck is that? But like it, it seems like it's good enough to give him a third look and to keep them to, to keep him from getting ambushed the way he has at times, both this year and, you know, against the Phillies in the postseason last year to, to make it. So if he doesn't have his peak fastball that day, there's still another option he can turn to. And maybe that'll make him more consistent and, and be the, you know, one of the, one of the clear cut, true, no questions asked aces in fantasy because there are fewer and fewer of those. It seems like with Luis Castillo, I, I did just want to point out the ERA two point eight seven, fantastic. The WHIP one point oh six, well over a strikeout per inning. The FIP is at three seventy six. The XFIP is at three seventy. Uh, and a few reasons for that. His BABIP is a little bit low. His strand rate is a little high. You know, Scott, we were talking about trusting the process earlier on with someone like Reed Detmers. The process here would tell you that there will be some regression uh, for Luis Castillo. Just throwing it out there, would you dare try and sell high on him now before that happens? Mm, no. No. I mean, yeah, the walks have the walks have been kind of high recently. And I guess that's probably inflated his season-long rate, which, of course, doesn't contribute well to the ERA estimators. Uh, but uh, let me see. I don't know exactly what the issue is there. Because the, the season-long walk rate isn't actually that high. No, it's like I mentioned, it's the BABIP is a little bit low. The strand rate is a little bit high. He does allow yeah. a good amount of hard contact. So even the XERA was 380 coming into Monday. Yeah, I'm just not that worried about it. The strikeouts are there. And he over he, he outperformed his XERA by 32 points last year. Uh, that hasn't been a consistent thing, but he's kind of been a different pitcher the last two years going with more four seamers and sliders as opposed to changeups. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I don't know. I think he's fine. I want to worry about it. And his environment got a lot better, right? Going from Cincinnati yeah. to uh, Seattle. It's a completely different park shift. Positive one for Luis Castillo. And by the way, I completely agree. I, I'm not worried at all. I was just kind of playing devil's advocate looking at, at some of the underlying numbers. But he's pitched like one of the top 12 starting pitchers in fantasy this year. And uh, I pretty much value him as such at this point. Let's quickly talk about some uh, waiver wire hitters before we hit our first break. Scott, Edward Julian, he went two for four on Monday and has hit well since returning from the minors in 14 games since being recalled. Julian is batting 306 with six doubles, one steal, no homers that time, but obviously uh, the hits in the batting average is uh, racking up there for Edward Julian. And Jordan Westberg, he made his debut. He started at second base, so perhaps he will gain that eligibility had a had a busy debut one for four with a walk RBI run scored and even a caught stealing I like the fact that he was trying to run you don't love the fact that he got caught uh who would you rather have between those two Julian or Westberg I think Westberg just because he doesn't have the obvious platoon issue that Julian does they 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 tend to play bat him lead off against righties which helps but they they tend not to play him at all against lefties and that, of course, limits his opportunities to contribute. He's been pretty productive when he's been in the lineup. Not, not good enough that, not good enough that it it overcomes the playing time issue. We don't, of course, don't know how Westberg's going to perform at all. He had some swinging strike issues in the minors that we talked about yesterday. The strikeout rate itself wasn't that bad at AAA, but in terms of the swing and miss specifically, which is less the way you want to strike out than by being overly passive, you know, taking too many pitches. Um, so we'll see. He didn't strike out in his debut. Uh, he started at second base. So, you know, ho- hopefully he's trending toward gaining that eligibility, that position, probably third base as well to go along with shortstop. And so that multi-eligibility for Westberg is going to be nice too. Uh, I-, I would take the chance on him performing over the chance of Julian playing more regularly. Jordan Westberg up to 50% rostered after this weekend. I assume a bunch of leagues had waivers run and, and fab and all that fun stuff. So uh, he's getting up there, but I, I think I agree. I would rather have Westberg than Julian. Did you catch any of that game, Scott? The, the Orioles game? I did not. 
so Jordan Westberg, all of his uh, his bros, his boys, they were sitting right behind home plate, and they were just obnoxiously chanting for him every time he came up. I think at some point the Reds catcher couldn't hear the pitch com, <laughs> and it was because uh, they were so loud. It was crazy. So it was you know pretty yeah. fun, uh, pretty fun environment there for his debut. We will, like we did with Matt McClain, just keep telling everybody as long as we need to that you need to add Marcelo Zuna because he went one for four with his 16th home run, his third homer in the past five games. And basically since the start of May, he's been like a must roster, must start player. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, he is up to 63% rostered, but obviously still, still could be out there in some shallower formats. Few names here in five outfielder leagues got Joey Weimer, Continues a fine month, one for four with his 11th home run, 422 feet uh, straightaway center field there in City Field. And in June, he's batting 253 with six homers, two steals, an 889 OPS, and uh, lots of hard contact there for Joey Weimer. Matt Veerling went three for five with a double, two runs scored. He led off against a left-handed pitcher. And uh, in 12 games since coming back from the IL, Matt Veerling is batting 429 with three homers and a 12.55 OPS. The last name here is Andy Abanez. He went two for four with his fifth home run. I know it's like, this guy's betting 695. Where, uh, his OPS is 695. Why are we talking about it about him? His stat cast numbers are great. Andy Abanez, 91.2 average exit velocity, 288 XBA, 501 X slug. I don't know if it's real, but those just kind of jumped off the page for me. Uh, this Deeper leagues, five outfielder leagues got Joey Weimer, Matt Veerling, and Andy Abanez. Any interest in that group? Uh, by far, my interest is highest for Joey Weimer, who, even as underwhelming as he's been for most of the year, he's he's given you a nice steals total, now a decent home run total. You know, on pace for basically a 2020 season. The batting average is, of course, nothing to get excited about, but hopefully that's changing here with the way he performed in June. You mentioned his exit velocity. Average exit velocity was way up this month, and it is nearly 94 miles per hour, uh, which is great. What's curious about that is he's striking out about 32% of the time, which is not so great. That's closer to how I thought his rookie season would go. Too many strikeouts, but a lot of hard contact, and instead we got kind of the opposite. Like The strikeouts weren't so bad, and so... I. You know, if you told me coming into the year that that would be the case for Weaver, oh, he's going to have a great rookie year. But the the impact just wasn't there, and he's kind of flipped the script here in June, and it's going better. So I, I don't know if, if that is something conscious that he did, just, you know, being a little less careful at the plate and swinging a little harder. I, I don't know. I don't have the backstory for this to, to that would indicate whether or not it's something sustainable. But... The talent is there for Weimer, and he's making better use of it. Probably still just a five outfielder league option at this point. I wouldn't look to him in three outfielder leagues yet, but again, the upside is there, so at least keep an eye on him. No love for Matt Veerling or Andy Abanez, huh, Scott? Well, <laughs> I, 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 not really Abanez outside of like AL only leagues. Veerling, I think, has a little more potential, but like he's got to play every day. First of all, he doesn't. He's he's not good enough to overcome a playing time issue and still be useful in fantasy. All right, fair enough. Let's take our first break, and when we get back, we're gonna fire up the dropometer here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. 
And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome back to Fantasy Baseball Today, and a quick reminder to follow all of us on Twitter. Uh, the Fantasy Baseball Today Twitter account is at FBTPod. You can follow Scott at CBS Scott White, and you can follow me at Roto underscore Frank. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can scan the QR code. That will take you right to the FBT Twitter account. Let's fire up the drop meter here, Scott. And I have mostly hitters. One to ten. One means that you need to hold this player in all leagues. Ten means you could drop him in all leagues. And first up, we have Rowdy Telez, who on the season is batting 218 with 12 homers, a 701 OPS. Uh, quality of contact is way down this year. And in the month of June, he's hitting 167 with zero home runs. Scott, where is Rowdy Telez on the dropo meter? Uh, probably like a. Probably like a nine. Outside of 15 team Roto Leagues, which hardly anybody plays in, I just don't see a lot of reason to hold on to him. He has what numbers he has. He pretty much put up in April, you know? Yeah. And uh, I'm not ruling out him bouncing back, but I, I think in most cases there's going to be a better use of that roster spot than waiting for him to bounce back. Yeah. Uh, Rowdy Tellez down to 56% rostered, and uh, I'll take that one, Scott. I'll take the L. I was big on Rowdy Tellez this year. Wouldn't surprise me if he gets going at some point, but uh, right now the way he's playing, it's pretty bad. Uh, so you you can drop Rowdy Telez. What about Nolan Gorman? We spoke about him a couple of weeks ago when he got off to the slow start in June. We're like, all right, let's see where it goes from here. It really has not gotten better because uh, in the month, he's betting 143 with two home runs, a 42% strikeout rate, and a 59% fly ball rate. So lots of strikeouts. He's putting the ball in the air, which is going to lead to a lower BABIP and a lower batting average. Nolan Gorman's still 87% rostered, Scott. Where do you have him on the drop meter Probably like a six. Mm. I think it's fine in all points leagues because he he the, the strikeout rate is, is such a big hurdle to clear in that format. Uh, it, it puts him in a hole that he needs big production to climb out of. And obviously they tend to be shallower too. So do you have a viable alternative at second base and third base? It's more likely than like in a Roto League that you do. Uh, You know what? I may go five. What I think is going to happen with Gorman is I think he's going to get really hot again really soon. I think he is a player of extremes, hits the ball extremely hard, can hit a lot of home runs in a short period of time, but also strikes out a lot. And so that can put him in some extreme depths too, really cold stretches where you hate having him anywhere near your team. And that's what he's going through right now. But this isn't his first time around the block. It's not like, you know, he he, he debuted in April and caught the league by surprise and now everybody's caught up to him. I, do, I don't think that's what happened because he played a lot last year too. I think the the talents that led to the production he was delivering earlier are still there. And he's just cold right now. And he's the strikeouts are piling up and it hurts. Uh, but if you can afford to hold on to him, which again is more likely in a roto league, then I think you should. It's not likely that Matt McLean is still available, but if he was, would you drop Nolan Gorman for McLean? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. 
my hesitation there is like McLean will cool off to a certain degree. And if we're thinking specifically Roto Leagues where you're mostly just counting numbers, is is he going is, is what he's going to do in in the counting stats? You know, he's going to contribute some steals that Gorman won't contribute. But if Gorman hits 20 home runs from today forward, which is a possibility, finishes the year with 35. You know, even if he hits 240, 230, let's say, is is the total gonna that McLean provides gonna add up to more than that? And that and that's hard to say. But I think at this point, with the way McLean has performed, I'd have to make that swap if it really came down to it. I think so too. Uh, McLean is 84% rostered on CBS, but looking at Yahoo, uh, McLean is still 66%. So if you play over there, which is mostly daily head-to-head category leagues, yeah, I would make that swap for uh, dropping Nolan Gorman for Matt McLean. It's more, I I guess the easiest way to put it, rather than the convoluted way I just put it, (laughs) is that it's more malpractice to leave McLean on the waiver wire than it is to leave Gorman on the waiver wire, you know? So if that's the only way to get McLean off the waiver wire by dropping Gorman, then I think you have to do it. But it wouldn't be my first choice in okay. most cases to, to like, I'd, I'd hope there's someone else I could drop instead. I do have one pitcher in the mix here on the drop meter That is Andrew Heaney, who had a rough outing up against the Tigers. Five and two-thirds innings, six uh, earned runs allowed, two homers allowed. Still did have 14 swinging strikes in the start, and his slider velocity was up 1.5 miles per hour. But we're now looking at a 4.38 ERA and a 131 WHIP for Andrew Heaney. He's still 83% rostered. Where is he on the dropometer? 10. Okay. I'm not expecting to have any confidence in him going forward. Yeah, I mean, his combination of walks, 3.9 walks uh, walks per nine and, and home runs, 1.6 home runs per nine, that is a very, very dangerous combo. I was going to ask if you'd be willing to drop him for Gavin Williams, Emmett Sheehan, Brian Bayo, Kyle Bradish, and I assume the answer is yes to all of those. Yep, all of the above. All right, let's talk about Giancarlo Stanton, who is now batting 191 with six home runs and a 643 OPS in 30 games this season. He did recently return in the month of June. He's played 17 games where he is batting a 121 with a 34% strikeout rate and apparently is not worried about the booze in Yankee Stadium. 93% rostered. Oh. It was a story that came out here uh, locally that they asked him about the booze. Booze is in B-O-O-S. Yes, not like uh, you know him drinking okay. beers in the dugout or something like that. <laughs> it's, you know, the, uh, the Yankee faithful, the Bronx Bombers. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, Stanton is still 93% rostered. Scott, where is he on the drop meter? Uh, well, I don't think you can drop him in a five outfielder league. Agreed. But I think in a three outfielder league, it's a 10. So what does that average out to? I don't know, maybe like a seven or an eight? Six, seven. 7.5, seven yeah. let's say. You know, it's so he's batting under 200 now. That's after over the last four months last year. Two, the final two-thirds of last season, Giancarlo Stanton hit 166. So, uh, obviously, he missed some time with injury during that stretch, but it was a 70-game stretch where he hit 166 to end last season, and now he's batting under 200 again. So, I don't know. That's that's a long time of being nothing short of terrible. He did hit 20 home runs in those 70 games, but that was, like, all he did. Yeah. So 166 was the batting average. It's frustrating, too, because before he got hurt, he actually got off to a great start this year. He played 13 games. He was batting 269 with four homerers. He was absolutely crushing the ball. The average exit velocity near 97 miles per hour before he got hurt. But yeah, since mm-hmm. he's returned, I don't maybe he's not completely healthy or whatever it might be. But yeah, Stanton looks pretty yeah. bad. Uh, I mean, it, it is the, the tricky part is that like there's still almost nobody in the game who hits the ball harder than he does. Mm hmm. So, like, if it turned around very suddenly and dramatically, I, I don't think anyone should be surprised by that. But, you know, at, at some point, you got to be willing to make room for somebody else. And I think we're about at that point with Stan. Would you drop him for Marcel Ozuna? Yeah. I agree. Yesterday. 
What, what about Seiya Suzuki, who is batting 257 with six homers and one stolen base, a 742 OPS in the month of June, batting 184, zero homers, zero seals, three caught stealing. The underlying numbers still look pretty good, though. I mean, that's kind of why I struggle with Seiya Suzuki. Uh, he's down to 68% rostered, so some people are already dropping him. Scott, where is he on the dropometer meter mm-hmm. for you? Well, I was never as high on Suzuki as you and Chris were. Uh, and I wasn't as high on Santander either. And then he had a stretch where he homered five times in six games, right? So I had to get with the program there. But I, I guess I'll go... Like it, it's another situation where I don't see how it's plausible to drop him in a five outfielder league. But I would have absolutely no qualms about dropping him in a three outfielder league. And in fact, I'd have less qualms about dropping Suzuki than Stanton even because I don't think Stanton has the, I don't think Suzuki has the enormous upside that Stan does. So I'll say a solid eight for Suzuki on the drop meter The only thing for me with him is the plate discipline has been really good. 11% walk rate, 24% strikeout rate. That all seems fine. And he's hitting the ball hard. 92.5 average exit velocity, 50.6% hard hit rate. I don't really know why it's not working for Seiya Suzuki right now, but the things that we normally look at under the hood, they still look pretty good for him. So I don't know. Maybe I, I did like him a lot coming into the season. Maybe I'm just kind of uh, grasping at straws there, but. Well, they're a lot better than last year. You know, last year his average exit velocity was 89.6, which is. You know, above average, but not uh, not something that's going to be a major selling point on its own. So he's actually, you know, it, it may be to some degree kind of a, a a Michael Harris situation, but I don't know. It's it's over 250 plate appearances he's gotten so far, and it hasn't really added up to much yet. I don't know. I I think. Uh, I think in three outfielder leagues, at least, you can do better. I, I will say this. If you play in a five outfielder league, I, I would try to buy low on, say, Suzuki because I think you could probably get him for, for pretty pretty cheap, uh, especially if it's like a 15-team, five outfielder league. I think you probably could you know get a, a pretty good bargain there on, say, Suzuki. The last name up here is Anthony Rizzo, who still is batting 270 on the season, but he hurt his neck on a collision with Fernando Tatis back on May 28th. And in 19 games since, he is batting 167 with zero home runs. Uh, strikeout rate still seems fine during that time. Hitting the ball decently hard, 90.1 average exit velocity. Uh, a 216 BABIP seems like he's just been pretty, pretty unlucky there for Anthony Rizzo. Scott, where is he on the drop meter? Well, given the issues that I know a lot of people talk about having at first base. And, you know, when I go through my first base rankings, it's like, geez, what do I do after number seven, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I feel like that puts Rizzo at pretty close to a zero. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's concerning what's going on with his neck, the correlation there with the collision and then the decline in production. You don't like to see that. I want to double check and make sure he wasn't already cold going into that he was not he was hitting well so i don't know maybe he winds up on the il in which case you can move into an il spot and that wouldn't be such a bad outcome but in the long run i think he's going to be one of the top 10 first basemen so i would i would put it at zero three names that i moved ahead of anthony rizzo in the rankings last week were spencer steer justin turner and josh naylor I don't think that those names are available in any leagues, but I guess if they were, mm-hmm. those are actually moves that I would make because those guys are just performing really well. They basically have done the opposite with Anthony Rizzo. So, I would, I agree on Steer. I don't agree on the others. Okay, that's fair. Agree to disagree on Anthony Rizzo. Uh, but that's it. Those are all the names that I have on the drop meter Let's get into the news and notes. Carlos Rodon tossed four scoreless innings in a rehab start at double-A on Sunday, allowing one hit with four strikeouts. I think the plan is for him to make one more rehab start and then join the Yankees after that. So uh, he might actually get a start in before the All-Star break, you know, early-ish July there on Carlos Rodon. Julio Arias completed four innings in a rehab start at single-A Sunday. He is expected to return to the Dodgers this Friday in Kansas City. 
Max Fried was scheduled to throw another bullpen session Monday. I did not look it up to see if there was any update on how that went, but uh, he has responded well so far to mound work and could soon advance to facing live hitters. Again, that is Max Fried. The Marlins activated both Jazz Chisholm and Gene Segura from the IL. Garrett Hampson and Jacob Amaya were optioned back to AAA. AJ Smith-Chauver was optioned back to AAA Monday as well, and it sounds like Michael Soroka is likely to rejoin the Braves rotation when they do need uh, someone to start for the team. And in three starts since Soroka got sent back to the minors, a 142 ERA, a .79 whip, nearly a strikeout per inning. Scott, any interest in Soroka in deeper leagues in the meantime? Well, he's definitely looked better against since getting sent back down. So in, I forget how many starts it was, however many starts he made prior to his promotion, he had a 9% swinging strike rate and the three since he got sent back to AAA, he's at a 14% swinging strike rate. And in his latest start, it was a one hitter over seven innings. I believe he took a no hitter right up to the very last out and then gave up a solo home run. Um, He had 18 swinging strikes in that start, including 11 on the fastball, Hmm. which is not his M.O., but his M.O. was like get a ton of ground balls on the sinker. So he's he's changed his pitch mix. And the fastball, the four-seam fastball seems to be playing up. It seems to actually be getting whiffs. Uh, Interestingly, in that near no-hitter, he had, I believe, nine fly balls versus four ground balls. So that's very uncharacteristic. And so, like, yes, he's looked a lot better in AAA. I still have no idea who Michael Soroka is now because this this just this seems like a completely different profile. If he can, if he can be like a bat misser, that that may be even better. But I'm I'm going to be pretty skeptical until I see him string together a few good starts in the majors. So uh, I'm not saying you can't pick him up, but most of those guys we talked about yesterday, the Griffin Cannings of the world. I'd, I'd go for them instead. All right. Eduardo Rodriguez will make a rehab start on Thursday at AAA. He's been out since late May with an injury to his left index finger. Riley Green is close to beginning a rehab assignment. He's missed all of June with a stress fracture in his left fibula. Chris Bryant is scheduled to begin a rehab assignment Wednesday at AAA. He's been on the IL since late May with a left heel bruise. Alex Cobb is expected to return from the IL during this week's road trip. CJ Crone was reinstated from the IL and he's been out since May 15th due to back spasms. This one came out of nowhere. <laughs> we we had no updates on CJ Crone doing a rehab assignment, really doing much of anything, <laughs> and they activated him. All right. Yeah. Good. You gonna drop Rizzo for him, Frank? I don't think so, but that's probably the right range, like 13, 14, 15 in the first base ranking, somewhere around there. What about you? So I guess I, I guess um, uh, I'm forgetting his name now. Nolan Jones. I guess Nolan Jones has to find his at bat somewhere other than first base now, which he pretty much had been. He, he'd mostly been playing right field, and with LA Heroes Montero playing first base, so I don't think anybody's going to miss Montero too much. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think this impacts anybody adversely in the Rockies lineup. Please, please. Nolan Jones has been yeah, I don't pretty I don't good. Think so. I, I think Jones is going to be fine. All right. Jorge Polanco has started light baseball activities. He's been out since early June with a moderate left hamstring strain. The same, uh, that's the second strain on that same hamstring this season. Matthew Boyd was removed from his start Monday due to left elbow discomfort, which, uh, you know, obviously you never like to hear it. Tarek Skubal will make his next rehab start at AAA on Wednesday. That will be his fifth and likely last rehab outing. 57% 57% rostered if uh, you want to yep. go out and stash Tarek Skubal. And that's a more exciting stash than Michael Soroka, I would say, as well. Yeah, yep, agreed there. Trevor Rogers, who has a partial tear in his right non-throwing lat, hopes to have better clarity on his timeline after the All-Star break. So he'll be out at least until then. Adrian Hauser will return to the Brewers' starting rotation Thursday against the Mets. And... It sounds like they're going with a six-man rotation as they don't have any days off leading into the All-Star break. Matt Manning will return to the Tigers rotation Tuesday against the Rangers, and I assume we don't have any interest for fantasy, Scott. No, 
I have wondered though, with Matt Manning coming back and Tarek Skubal soon to come back, is Reese Olsen long for this world as mm. much as we'd like him? Would he be the odd man out? They also have Joey Wentz, who could be. Gone. I mean, he's had a few good starts. <laughs> he has. I, I'd prefer that. Don't get me wrong. I just don't know what the Tigers are going to do. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess another spot could open up if Matthew Boyd goes in the IL, right? With this uh, oh, that's true. left yep. elbow discomfort. A few prospect updates we haven't mentioned recently. Drew Jones, who was the Diamondbacks' first-round pick from last year, is not expected to return to minor league game action until at least the middle of July after suffering a right hamstring strain while running the bases last week. Uh, he's only played 14 games a season due to multiple injuries, and frankly, it's been a pretty disastrous uh, first year in the minors for Drew Jones. The Reds promoted pitching prospect Connor Phillips from AA to AAA. He has a ridiculous 111 strikeouts, over 64 and two-thirds innings, but they, that is uh, the level where they are using pre-tacked baseballs in the minors, but he's just a name that should be on radars, right, Scott? Because I feel like there's a chance we could see Connor Phillips in the second half of the season. Yeah, there is. He, there are some similarities to Andrew Abbott here because it, it is the Southern League. It's it's not all of AA for what it's worth. It's it's the Southern League specifically uh, with the pre-tacked baseballs and we saw Andrew Abbott's strikeout rate go from absurd at that level to still very good at AAA, but you know it wasn't the same, and his overall success wasn't the same. And at the major league level, it hasn't been the same either. Um, Phillips has a more conventional power profile, but what I've noticed with him, and this is Connor Phillips, by the way, what I've noticed with him is for all those strikeouts he's getting at AA, he has a one-three-one whip. He's given up a lot of hits. He's given up a lot of home runs. He's given up a lot of walks. So, I don't know. I don't know. He does have a ton of strikeouts, and that is the most important thing. But it's not everything. So let's see how AAA goes. All right. A few other minor league prospect promotions. The Tigers promoted third base prospect Colt Keith from AA to AAA. He was batting 325 with 14 homers and a 976 OPS. The Red Sox promoted outfield prospect Sedane Rafaela from AA to AAA. He was batting 294 with six homers and 30 steals this season in the minors. Let's take our final break. And when we return, I've got some leftovers. I've got team name Tuesday. I even have a fantasy justice for all question hmm. from somebody in the Scott White Dynasty League. <gasps> oh, it's not actually a, it's not about our league, though, Scott. It's, oh, it's okay. about another league. But uh, we'll get to all that right after this. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this, too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back and a big thanks to everyone watching us live on YouTube. We do appreciate you hanging out. It's obviously pretty late here, but uh, almost 500 people still, still here hanging. So we do appreciate it. Like this video. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Some pitching leftovers. Scott Justin Verlander labored his way through five innings up against the Brewers. Uh, he did not allow a run, which was the good news. Five hits, two walks, five strikeouts, only seven swinging strikes on 100 pitches. So, uh, I don't know. Still kind of a mixed bag here for Justin Verlander. Sonny Gray had a quality start at the Atlanta Braves. Six and two-thirds, three runs allowed with five strikeouts and 12 swinging strikes. Allowed a good amount of hard contact. Um, but there were some interesting things here for Sonny Gray. 
velocity was up on the cutter and the sweeper, and he nearly doubled his sweeper usage in this start, and it's been far far away his best pitch this season. So I wonder if this is something that can, uh, I guess, help Sonny Gray get back on track. But anything you'd like to add on those two, Gray and Verlander? Well, it was Sonny Gray's first start of six innings in his last four chances. And uh, in fact, it was only his third start of six plus innings in his last 10 chances. So that has been as much as issue as anything else. The walks were have, have been high. The walks have been high. So that that's probably helped with, that's probably contributed, I should say, to the inefficiency. Uh, this was a step in the right direction. I agree. And how much the, the, the pitch selection has to do with that, I, I think it remains to be seen. But generally speaking, I'm always for pitchers throwing their best swing and miss pitches more. All right. I don't really think this matters very much, but uh, Colin Ray turned in a quality start at the Mets. Scott, does this matter at all? No, not really. Yeah. Hard to get excited about Colin Ray. Yeah, it's a 457 ERA and a 122 whip. So not really much there. Some hitting leftovers. Michael Harris went three for three with two more hard hits, and it was his seventh multi-hit game in the month of June, where he is now batting 373 with four homers, three steals, and a 10.05 OPS. Scott, you look confused. Did I just make up a stat? I don't know. I thought he had three hard hits. Uh, he might have. Maybe. Let me double check. Maybe I missed in a bat. It's not It's not really worth stopping the show for. No, you're right. He has two hard hits. <laughs> uh, because sometimes I write stuff down while the game is still going, and then another at bat happens, and I'm like, ah, crap, I missed this. The, the one that's not a hard hit had an expected batting average of 570, so that's I got confused there. There My you mistake. Go. Ronald Acuna, the best slap hitter around, went one for three with his 17th home run. He's also batting 328 with a 971 OPS and 35 steals this season. Spencer Steer went three for three with his 12th home run. Uh, the batting average has slowed down a bit in the month of June, but he still has four homers and seven steals this month, which is who knew Spencer Steer was a speedster, but here we are. He's Playing very well. Shohei Otani went one for three with a sock and a shoe. His league-leading 26th home run, also up to 11 steals. The home run, 113 miles per hour exit velocity, 446 feet off of Dylan Cease. Luis Robert went two for four with his 22nd home run, and 17 of those have come since the start of May. So kind of a slow April there, but since May started, Luis Robert has been great for fantasy. Mm-hmm. Julio Batting Rod- over 300 as well during that stretch. Yep. Uh, I think the OPS is over 900 too during that time. So he's he's just been great. Uh, Julio Rodriguez went three for four with his 18th steal. The batting average slowly creeping up. Still a letdown for where you drafted him. But uh, the power and speed, I think he's still on pace for like a 30-30 season. So that part has been good for Julio Rodriguez. All right, Scott. Let's do a little fantasy justice for all, which if people... Who haven't heard it before we actually haven't done this since probably last season i think if you have a dispute in your league it's not hey should i trade for this guy or it's like somebody doing something fishy in your league and it requires justice yeah drama yeah. that we will try to help you out uh for the fantasy baseball today ogs out there this is the equivalent to adam mazer's regulator segment back in the day feel free to email us at fantasy baseball at cbsi.com that's the letter I, and put fantasy justice in the subject line. This is from Brian Flood, who plays in the Scott White Dynasty League with us, and he writes in, Hey guys, I love the pod. I wrote about fantasy at CBS in 2005 and 2006 before podcasts were invented. That's true. In fact, I was hired to fill Brian Flood's vacancy. He was my predecessor. Oh, you learn something new every day. I honestly had no idea. Uh, here's what he's got. Anyway, unique situation here, and would love everyone's feedback. I'm in an old-school AL-only Roto Keeper League. It's the kind of league where you don't have a bench aside from the IL and minor league guys. Uh, back in 2020, the Otani owner found Brendan McKay and selected him in the minor league draft because he was eligible at both pitcher and as a utility hitter. Uh, the Otani owner then activated McKay, even though he wasn't active on an MLB roster, which is legal in their league, and he moved Otani and McKay back and forth from pitcher to utility, depending on Otani's pitching schedule. 
Uh, the Otani owner has now kept McKay for three years doing this swap to get both Otani's hitting and pitching stats. It was savvy at first, and I give the owner credit. However, McKay isn't a hitter anymore. His last MLB at bat was in 2019, and he gave up hitting in 2021. <laughs> but CBS continues to give McKay eligibility at oh, utility. Gosh. Is this savvy, shady, enough already after three years? And why is McKay still eligible at utility? <laughs> I, I resent this because he's kind of. <laughs> I thought about it too. I'm like, yeah, he is kind of, you know, talking crap about whatever. Brendan McKay's yeah. eligibility. So I don't. So I am primarily responsible for the players having the eligibility they do up to a certain point. I, 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 uh, I have the say on their primary eligibility and of course what eligibility they pick up or lose based on games played really depends on your league setup and i haven't known what to do about mckay because it's just like he and otani are the only players in the entire history of the cbs cbs database who've had both pitcher and hitter eligibility simultaneously and i haven't put a ton of thought into it because i didn't think the repercussions like McKay hasn't been a fantasy significant player in a very long time. So I didn't think it mattered that much, but now I have reason to think it matters at least in this one league for this one savvy owner, it does matter. So um, next year I will go over McKay's game play games played, what roles he's filled and see if he deserves to have that dual eligibility still. And hopefully put a stop to that so that your league doesn't have to come up with a solution on its own. But it is a very clever thing. Like, I, I think leagues without bench spots are dumb. <laughs> so that's fair. That's part of the problem. Just, you know, give, give your league bench spots so that he can take advantage of Otani without having to rely on Brendan McKay. But yeah, it's, a, it's obviously a weird scenario that's not going to apply to hardly anyone else listening. Right. I, just, I, I, do give, I do give that guy credit. That's that's clever. Yeah, I thought it was uh, pretty funny. To answer all three questions, I would say all of the above. Yes, it was savvy, kind of shady, and enough already after three years. I, I would say it kind of yeah. fits all three of those. Well, so. it'd be different if McKay was still doing both in the minors, but yeah, no, he probably needs to lose one eligibility, I guess, as a hitter. I could tell you for certain... I haven't looked up Brendan McKay in a couple of years, and I just found out that he had Tommy John surgery in September of last year. So <laughs> who even knows when we'll see Brendan McKay? Well, yeah, I mean, back. that's the thing, too. So so he hasn't even played this year. No, no, no. But yeah, no, he hasn't. He hasn't been. OK, so in 2022, he was basically done as a hitter. Yeah. OK, anyway. Yeah. Brendan McKay. We, we devoted enough time to Brendan McKay. We sure have. And Brian Flood, I would say that justice has been served. The call to the bullpen. We only have two updates for the Braves. Basically, everybody in their bullpen was unavailable, so Kirby Yates picked up his first save of the season. And for the Brewers, Devin Williams fired a clean ninth inning for his 14th save of the year. To stream or not to stream, we'll start with Tuesday. And I did eliminate someone, Garrett Whitlock, because he's now up to 79% rostered. But of the, the other names available, I think... Gavin Williams at Kansas City is good. Brian Wu mm -hmm. versus the Nationals is fine. Mm -hmm. uh, Julio Tehran at the Mets, mm -hmm. probably okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm fine with all of those. They were all three among my 10 sleeper pitchers for the week, not doing this day-by-day -day streaming thing. But mm -hmm. I, I still approve in the day-by-day -day streaming thing. All right, on Wednesday, not as many interesting options, but... I know Logan Allen hasn't been great recently with Cleveland. At Kansas City, I think it's fine. Uh, Wade Miley has pitched well since coming back. Actually, there are some pretty good options here. I made that up. Wade Miley at the Mets is good. Dane Dunning versus the Tigers. Logan Allen at Kansas City. And frankly, I think either pitcher in the Yankees and A's game is fine too. J.P. Sears and Domingo Herman. I know Herman's been bad, but like, whatever. It's in Oakland, so. Thinking about the McKay dilemma again. <laughs> It's not that serious, Scott. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> there, there may be some complications that we didn't bring up in, in terms of getting him down to just pitcher eligible, but I'll, I'll look into it. Anyway. Um, okay. So Wednesday streamers, 
Yeah, I, I think I think Logan Allen's my first choice here, followed by Dane Dunning and Domingo Hermano. Those are the same names you said. I said those, but I also think Wade Miley. You said Miley, right? Uh, no, I didn't. No, Wade but Miley that's... at the Mets is okay, and I think JP Sears is fine against the Yankees too. Yeah, it's pretty good options both days. What do you know? Wow, wow, we got Scott to like two days worth of streamers. <laughs> what is happening? Will he like the it, team names on Team Name Tuesday? I don't know about that. Is Domingo Herman too scary just because of the way his last two starts went? I know he's facing Oakland, but given the alternatives, I guess Domingo Herman yeah. should be a lower priority. Yeah, I would say he's probably like fourth or fifth on that list, but it is a big ballpark. He struggled with home runs. Probably could get away with a few more fly balls out there in Oakland, so I think it's fine. All right, Team Name Tuesday, and we will start off with this first one from Andrea. And Teoscar goes to. That's the team name. Oh, I get it. And okay. Te- and Teoscar goes to. Uh, yeah. From Jess, you say Kikuchi, I say a Suzuki. Ah, that is, that is a rare occasion where two names are better than one. <laughs> this one's from Nick. And it is a song which I will try to sing, even though Scott does not like my singing. Uh, take a, take a Leody off Manny. I probably didn't do a good job of it, but it's like I don't know that song. Take a load off Manny. It's don't the, know it. The classic song, "The Weight" by the band, uh, from okay. Felix. Do you smell what the Brock is cooking? All right. <laughs> another another two namer. I was like, yeah, it's. Uh, I think. Brock Burke was the one that he said he wanted that to re- represent. So, all right. From Bob. Oh, Tani Boom. Oh, Tani Boom. It would work better if his name was pronounced Bomb. Yeah. But it's not. Well, but still, I, well, I, I think it's decent. That's pretty good. Uh, from Colin. 877 Glass Now. <laughs> JG Wentworth. Yeah. 877 cash now. Yes. And this next one I have to be very careful with. Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to puck with. Okay. <laughs> be very careful. From Robert, yeah. he's not a carpenter yet, just a nailer. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't mind that. All right. I, I haven't I haven't hated any yet. <laughs> that, that's good. From Mateo, all along the watchtowers. Uh, not sure I get the reference. That's uh that's a Jimi Hendrix song. All and along, it's the towers all along the. Is he naming tower. the team after Chris Towers? Is that the towers? Oh, you are gonna notice uh, a little bit of a theme here. And the, okay, the next one is Scots in white satin. I think this is supposed to be Knights in white satin, written by Scott okay. Bradley. Uh, next one okay. is Welsh shiver me timbers for Welsh. I don't know any of these references. So they're <laughs> lost on me, but I, uh, I thank you for using our names. And uh, the last one is, frankly, I won't stample this. Okay. <laughs> they're fine. From Steven, Blackman Turner Overdrive. Okay. Yeah. Uh, McClana hand it to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have it Yuri way. Burger King. I mean, okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I presume he's thinking about Jake Berger. He's thinking about Michael King. So he's got three names in here. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's fine. Uh, Bybee or not Bybee? Bybee okay. or not Bybee? Uh, mm-hmm. This one, I, it's like trying to figure out how to say it correctly. Encarnacionaval Cruz? Encarnacionaval uh, Cruz. And he spelled Cruz, C-R-U-Z. Okay. It's a stretch. Okay. It's a stretch with Encarnacion's name there, turning in that, that into Carnival. Mm-hmm. But Oh, there you go. Yeah, I see what's happening here. Carnival Cruise. I've actually never yeah. I've never been on one of those like a vacation cruise type thing. I've never have you? Yeah. Not Carnival. And only once. Yeah. Well I liked it. Free advertising here at the uh, the one oh two mark <laughs> on the podcast. Uh Taj Madiel Hall. Okay. Yeah, let's just move on from that one. Uh, Minnesota Olsen Twins. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I, I do like this last one. You're so Vaughn, you probably think this Senga's about you. 
You spelled Y-U. <laughs> I don't know why the first U wasn't spelled Y-U. Why just the second U? I don't know. I don't know. I can always respond and ask, Scott, if you really want to know. Yeah. But I enjoyed that one. Okay. All right, we're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.